The book of Revelation mystifies many, intimidates many. Hopefully you'll find this is very encouraging and helpful for us as we embark upon a new year together as a congregation and as we seek the Lord's help and presence amidst our struggles. The context here is many of us are more familiar with the seven letters to the seven churches, but then in chapter 4, John the Apostle is given a vision of God enthroned. Uh, When we're suffering and struggling, we kind of look at life this way. We, We look down, we look at ourselves, we see only what we can do, and but and John was exiled to an island so that he couldn't spread and propagate the gospel. He was suffering. He's given a vision that makes us look up and see things from God's perspective. It's very helpful for us to realize God sees what we don't see. He has a plan that we don't understand, but he has one. It's a good one. And then in Revelation chapter 5, how can that plan, how can God's will be done? So let's look at Revelation chapter 5 together. It's a vision that John has given. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people of God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. 
and the elders fell down and worshipped. Thus our reading from God's holy word. May he bless this word to us. Mystified, scared at the book of Revelation, a strange symbolism and the like. Well, it's important when you come to the book of Revelation, you not think of it, first of all, as, oh, that's that book about the future somewhere off in the distance so that someday it's a practical book for some Christian somewhere. No. The book of Revelation was written, first of all, for Christians, like the Apostle John, suffering for Jesus then. Way back then. It wasn't written, someday, here's a book that will be good for the church. No, it was written, first of all, for Christians suffering there and then. Their struggle of faith. The rough and tough and tumble of life, and then add to it, suffering for Jesus' name. So that John himself is banished to an island called Patmos, for the testimony of Jesus. We don't live our lives well if we just think life is a series of bumps and humps and bruises and stumbles and happenstances. No, 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 no. There is a conflict between kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, the cause of Christ and that which opposes it. John stood for the cause of Christ and that which opposes it, put him on an island to shut him away and to shut him up. And not just John. If you read the seven letters to the seven churches, then you know that some of these Christians were losing their business, having their property confiscated were living under deep oppression for Jesus' name. It was a hard thing. And then the Lord knows, too, that a struggling church struggles in its faith and wonders, what is God doing? What is God's will? Why this? Why now? Why this struggle? And we look at ourselves as believers, and we can grow frustrated and discouraged, even with ourselves, with our sins. There I go again, sending this sin. There I go again. There I am again, thinking these thoughts. There I go again. Oh, Lord, I resolve. I, I know that I shouldn't go that path, think that way, behave that way. And there I go again. Because, you see, Jesus didn't come to save us once in a while. He knows we don't just need a boost we need renovation. In fact, he describes it as being born again. That's a whole new start. That's a whole new beginning. Uh, you need to be renovated, remade. A man must be born again. And being born again is something that is, yeah, it's a quick moment conversion, but the rest of it is the rest of our lives conversion. <laughs> we keep getting proceeding in change and conversion. Now, all of that to set us up for this question of how are we going to get to glory 
and happiness and victory and joy when what we witness, what they witnessed back then, is oppression and suffering and struggle, and what we witness in our own lives, loss of loved ones, financial difficulty, broken relationships, lost and loved ones walking away from Jesus, things that wound us, break our hearts, worry us, concern us, deflate the joy and happiness that would otherwise fill up our lives. What about that? In fact, when you see the church in all of its struggles, even the church right now, so it's a book written back there then, but because it's relevant then, it's relevant for each generation of believers. It's for us, too, in our struggles and sufferings. How do we get from here to eternity? That's what, that's what Revelation 5 is really after. How do we get from the struggles of the Christian life and the burdens of life and the brokenness of life here to eternity? It has to do with a scroll. A scroll that contains the will of God for history, for here to eternity. It has to do with a lamb slain and yet not victorious. A lamb who's a ram, that's Jesus. Who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll that says God's will be done. Don't you want that? Not Reverend so-and-so, Dr. so-and-so, Elder such-and-such, Grandma so-and-so's will be done. God's will be done. Even Jesus, when he came on earth, came to earth, prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. So important that as we live a Christian life and we struggle and we cry and we bleed and we pray, and sometimes we worry and we fear. Yeah, John knows that. God knows that. And so he gives his apostle a vision from God's perspective. We can only live life from our perspective, but God can help us and show us, no, get, a, get another view. So in Revelation 4, John is given a view of God enthroned. God in his glory, God in his might, God in his wisdom and power, heavenly beings surrounding God in awe, those four living creatures. How would you like to exist as one of the four living creatures? These are creatures that are in the very presence of God, and for all eternity, they can never take God in. They can never say, been there, done that, never be jaded, never go like, oh, well, yeah, a beautiful scene. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it. Never be used to God, but for all eternity, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is, who was, who is to come. And each very nanosecond to nanoseconds, like for the very first time. Because the little creature can't take in the beauty and majesty and love and sweetness and, and just awesomeness of God and all of his, his, his beauty of holiness. For all eternity, holy, holy, wow! We don't think like that, do we? We think small. We think 
my own little life. I'll be honest, I was sitting there in worship thinking about my own little life and my own little wounds. And I'm ready to preach something that's... But he's the one who wipes the tears away. But he does that by a scroll being opened and God's will being done. Now, what happens here is John is given this vision. He sees in the right hand of the one who's seated on the throne. That's God Almighty himself. There's this scroll. This is all symbol language for us. A scroll written within, on the back, sealed with seven seals. In those days, they didn't have books like we know them, but they did have scrolls, which rolled out this way, by the way. Not that way. (laughs) That always gets me. Anyway, they rolled out this way. And the precious writing materials... They used all the space, all they could, written front, back, everything. And even in those days, they had officious documents, like a last will and testament, and this scroll is sort of like that. That's why it's sealed. Just like when we sign very officious papers, it's notarized, and there's seals, and there's signatures, and this is all official, and there's copies, right? Well, this is a... a, a, a portrait of a last will and testament, God's last will and testament, for history to be done, his will, God's will to be done. But who's worthy to take it out of God's hand and say, let it be so? And John discovers no one. You go up in heaven, any angelic? No. Go down to earth? No. Go under the earth? No. North, south, no. Old folks from back when, no. Any reverend, no. Any other apostle, no. None was found worthy. And that's why he weeps. Because how are you going to get from here to eternity if God's will isn't done to get us there? If God doesn't bring forth his will for this earth through Jesus the Savior, to bring us home. That's why he weeps. But that's also why an elder, and we'll get to that in a moment, says weep no more. Because there is an answer. There is one. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. That's all Old Testament talk for the one who fulfilled it, Jesus. There is one who can open the scroll and and. Uh, break its seals, its seven seals. Behold, and, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. Remember John the Baptist, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now John the apostle talks about this lamb, the same one, as standing as though he had been slain. Indeed, he had been, but no longer. He's the triumphant one. With seven, no, now you say, this is why I avoid the book of Revelation. Uh, Seven horns and seven eyes, the seven spirits before they go out on the earth. Well, we're kind of told what this means. Horns in the Bible represent power because there's danger and strength in the horns. You know, even in our language, watch out for the horn, (laughs) you get the bull. Or watch out for the bull, you'll get the horn, rather. 
Horns are a, a picture of power. A word seven is the fullness, like the fullness of a week, seven days. Seven horns is a way of saying, here's one who has all the power. And then seven eyes, I see you. Even mothers have a, a good eye. I saw what you did. <laughs> I saw what you were doing. Don't try to deny it. A mother with two eyes, but now this one with seven eyes has all the insight, all the wisdom. A portrait of God in his omnipotence, all, his almightiness, his omniscience, his all-knowingness, his all-seeingness. This one is the very one who has the right to take the will of God and say, let it be done. This is really good news if you want to get from here to eternity. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to be stuck in this misery, this sorrow, these burdens, this hard this conflict, this enmity we know as human beings with one another. Sometimes we even struggle in the church. Lord, I don't want to be stuck with my sins, stuck with my broken heart, stuck with my bent ways. Lord, I need to be taken from here to eternity. I need your will to be done. We all do. And that's why John is weeping. There's no one who can make it happen, and then there is one. The one who died for our sins. The ones who went to death for us and came back. The lamb who was slain but no longer, as if he'd been slain. This one takes the scroll. So you get this big question, who's worthy? No one. But then you get the answer, this one. This one. And he went, verse 7, and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne from God. And when he had taken the scroll, heaven breaks out in worship. Rejoice! We're on the way to victory. What do we read? And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, those four creatures that are always be holy, 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 them, the 24 elders, which I take to be the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. So it's the Old Testament church and the New Testament church. The church then, God's people, they gathered about him. They fall down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, which is a, a picture of praise and singing and joy, Golden bowls full of incense. We're told with that the prayers of the saints. It's like a fragrant offering when we pray to God and come to him with all our praise and petitions and our brokenness, even our prayers of, with tears. Like incense to God, a fragrant. It's worship before him. And they sang this new song. But we get... The prelude, we get to know the new song before we've gotten to eternity. We get to know the song on our way to eternity. Worthy are you, saying to the Lamb, to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. That's the picture of his saving work for us. 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. We talked about being an all-nations church, and here's a portrait, because that's what eternity is. It's not a racially divided eternity, but it's all God's children together as his creatures experiencing him as family of God through the one blood that saves, the blood that binds us for eternity, the blood of Jesus. Every tribe, language, people, you talk funny. I don't understand you. Now we will. Every tribe and language, nation. And you made them a kingdom where you're the king and they're your citizens. And you made them priests to our God. And they reign on the earth. Now, take a step back. Suffering church, weak church, puny church, big Roman Empire oppressing the church, the political powers that be, the economic bigwigs telling the church thus and so, you're nothing. We'll shut you up. We'll banish the word. We'll put you on an island and tell you to be quiet. Take all the struggles we face And now look up and see how it really is. For us, life will always be brittle and we'll be weak and vulnerable and dependent. Well, of course, you're just a creature. You're not God. Our knowledge is really puny and small. Even the big doctor whatever's. It's real, real small bubble stuff. Real, real puny stuff. God is the one with the seven eyes, the lamb. The Lord Jesus is the one who has all knowledge and power and wisdom. He's the one who's worthy, not us. And how wonderful that it's not us. Would you really want the future of the church, even this church, Dependent on one of our frail leaders or guests? I can tell you, the leaders would say, I I can't do it. But he can. Your will be done, Lord. And as you go through the book of Revelation, what is this will? Well, it's a will with struggle. It's a will with judgment. It's a will that brings curses on the earth as it shakes its fist at God and would oppose his people in the land. What is this will? It's a will of God for each and every one of us because every one of us have our own faith story. Every one of us could stand up here. You know how I come to know Jesus? Here's how. Some would talk about being raised in the church. Some would be talking about, well, man, you couldn't believe the family I come out of and what, how the Lord took hold of me and did, wow. It's just a, but every story is a wow story because every story is a rebirth story. Every story is a grace story. Every story is let God's will be done and his will being done in my life. Every one of them. That's why John could weep. You mean the will of God isn't? There's, it won't be done? Yeah, yeah, it will be done through this one. The only one worthy to say, let it be done. The one who was worthy, and that's why he could bear our sins. 
the one in his love, loving goodness and humility took our sins, who loved us while we were unlovable and still does. This one, no wonder heaven comes unglued with worship. Worthy are you to take the scroll. You're the one who ransoms people from the whole earth. You're the one who makes them into those who reign with you. Priests who offer themselves, that is, that's what we are. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you. I mean, the the vision here is so encouraging because we see brokenness and we see weakness and we see our our, our struggles, and there I go again, and God comes along and provides this wonderful, powerful answer, the one who has all the power and all the might, and the response is weep no more, sing, worship. When we're hurting, we curl in on ourselves we look at our pain. We look at what we can do, what we're capable of. We, we look at what we think possible. What, or we even question God's will. We maybe get angry with God. Why this? Why this is your will? This path? The more we suffer, the more we're prone to questioning God's will. And there, you can't be glib with any of this stuff. Because people hurting is real hurt, real tears, real struggles. But there's one worthy who loved us and died for us who can say, yes, this will of God for you. Why, Lord, this? And in his love, when we know we're loved, even a hard path, a valley of the shadow of death, yes, it's there. Yes, I'm with you. Yes. Lord, what good can come out of this? Well, It's not for you to calculate. It's for God to trust God that he'll do. He will. It's also always good to keep, let God be God and let him decide and judge where we're incapable. This is comforting for a suffering church under oppression. Remember the church in the first century is puny. It's small. It's not wealthy it doesn't ha- it's not impressive it looks ridiculous and one of jesus disciples is told to be quiet and tucked away on an island it looks hopeless but it's not it marches forward and it will continue to march forward to take us from here to eternity and eternity in which you get to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 20, a vision of God, the groom, the bride coming out of heaven, glorified, that's the church, glorified, cleansed, delivered, 
and the one who comes and wipes every tear from our eyes because there are tears. Don't believe any kind of gospel that acts like believe in Jesus and the rest of your life is smiles, piles of smiles, ease, easy peasy. It's not. Serving Jesus can also bring tears, but there's one there to take all the pain away, all the brokenness, all the failure, all the guilt, all the what-ifs. There's one there who knows us in our brokenness. Thy will be done. How we need that. We need Jesus to do it. Thy will be done even with our brokenness, even through our brokenness. John looks, and he heard around the throne, the living creatures, the elders again, which I think is the Old and New Testament church, and they gathered with many angels, and we're told myriads and myriads of angels, thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Now, if you start thinking about these myriads and thousands and all the creatures in heaven above and the earth beneath and the waters under the earth, because we're told, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, all of them together breaking out to sing praise to our King, who's King of kings and Lord of lords, to Him who sits on the throne, to God, and to the Lamb, His Son, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures say, Amen. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's so. Let it be so. Yes, yes, yes. And the elders, the church falls down and worships. I need that. John needed that. The first century church needed that. We need that. We need a perspective from heaven. Guess what? We, in Jesus, win. Guess what? Christ's cause is victorious. Guess what? Take your tears to the cross. Guess what? Take your guilt to the lamb who was slain and he's emerged triumphant. Take your failures, your regrets, your shame. Take your doubts, your worries, your fears. Take your bewilderment questions, why God, how come? Take it all to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, the one to whom belongs a blessing and honor and glory and might forever. That's what John wants us to see. That's how we get from here to eternity, to victory, to hope, to being more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's how. Because he's the one worthy to take the will of God, to break it open and say, let your will be done. Yes, Lord, your will be done. Amen. 
Our gracious God, encourage us with these words from this book of the Bible, the mysterious words, yet in so many ways plain to us. May we see that you love us. We look to Jesus Christ to make your will done. Heal us in our hurts. Encourage us in our doubts. Strengthen us in our weakness. Bless us in our need. Increase our faith. And may we know that we belong and in Christ are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Indeed, Lord, we pray, not mine, but thy will be done. Amen.